Welcome to Choose Views with Richard Chu. Get ready to dive into a world of insightful conversations and thought-provoking discussions. As progressives, our job is to have an all-inclusive, full-on assault with all of our players. A show that will focus on moving our political, social, economic, gender, and cultural conversation forward. And all of our players means all of our players. It's Choose Views. And now, here's your host, Richard Chu. Wednesday morning in Chicago. Hey guys, welcome. It's Richard Chu. This is Chu's Views. Hope everybody is uh, getting their day off to a great start. I'm happy to be here. Uh, and, and once again, with my man Henry, with this very cool uh, hoodie on. So, um, hey guys, Henry, good morning. How are you feeling? Good morning, good morning. I'm doing great. All right. How all right. You? Walked in and Henry was like, where, 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 what are you doing? Where, where you been? I've been here since 530. <laughs> <laughs> no, guys, listen, uh, it's going to be a, a nice day here in Chicago. Uh, next, next couple of days are going to be in the upper 40s. Uh, I think, I think I heard, uh, the weather report Friday is going to be in the 50s. And if I check my handy little um, uh, phone of smartness, I think that that um, that will bear itself out. So, you know, I, I'm not complaining. Um, I often say this time of year, you know, we're, we're used to snow and and all the, the, the Chicago weather things that um, that we all deal with. But yeah, it's going to be 55 degrees on Friday and sunny and uh, 54 tomorrow and 47 today. So I can't complain about that. And the good thing about it is, and when I talk about the weather, yes, we have not gotten a lot of snow these last three winters. Uh, and then in the last 10, seven, seven to 10 winters, we've had um, less snow uh, collectively than we've had in the previous 10, 20, 30 years. So one can talk all day long about uh, you know, climate change does not exist. I think most progressives recognize that it does. And I think most progressive rec- progressives recognize that our weather patterns, if nothing else, have changed. So um, that's the thing that I look at oftentimes as much as I look at, uh, you know, are we are we involved in climate change? Are we suffering from climate change? I, the answer is yes. The science bears that out. Um, but for certain, weather patterns have changed. And here's what I mean by that. So right now, as I just said a moment ago, we haven't gotten that much snow this season. We didn't get that much snow last winter season. And I call winter season basically in Chicago from Thanksgiving to from the day after Thanksgiving until St. Patrick's Day. And I know that's not technically, but that's how I look at it, because that's the window that we have to get through. That's the, the four months that we have to survive. So what I've said to my wife on a number of occasions in the last few years, Henry, is that we've got um, less snow and more rain. Proportionately, we've gotten less snow and more rain during that that four-month period of time from the day after Thanksgiving until St. Patrick's Day. And and one of the things that's interesting is um, because of that, when we get to spring, I actually have seen more, um, I've seen our greenery turn, our grass turn greener sooner because we've had more rain, which which requires less salt to melt the snow, which causes less less runoff, and salt is counterproductive to grass growing. Okay, so not a scientist, but just highly observational, and as my my great my great friend and road dog Eric Grant would say, intellectually curious. So, in fact, the more rain that we've gotten, we actually have seen less impact because of the snow melt 
as a result uh, as a um, as a result of salt salting and the need to for melting the snow. So um, I, I find it curious. I find it interesting. And um, in that conversation about our weather, and I, and I knew I was going to talk about this this morning. Um, <clears throat> I've got to give a shout out as we talk about weather to um, all our brothers and sisters out in California because they're catching hell right now with with the rains that they've had. And I, I read a report on Monday afternoon that the um, that Southern California got more rain. They got more rain in one one day, one afternoon than they'd gotten in any measure of weeks in the last 10 years, um, which, as you all have seen, if you've been watching the news or listening to the news, um, that they are definitely uh, dealing with some flooding. And Governor Newsom has declared uh, certain, I think, eight counties, including Los Angeles County, as states of emergency. So um, we got to send some some good vibe to our folks out in, in uh, California, both northern and southern. I texted with one of our cousins that's um, in northern California, and uh, she sent me a, a, a picture of um, the street that she lives on a couple blocks down. Uh, where a couple of trees were down, <clears throat> a couple of trees were down uh, in her neighborhood, but she's doing good. And uh, and so but at the end of the day, uh, climate change is real. Uh, certainly weather climate, climate pattern and weather weather patterns are are definitely um, a real thing. So we want to be um, mindful of that when it comes to legislation and who are we are. Who are we electing to offices on a local uh, regional and national level. And I think the global um, attitude toward climate change is real because you look at what other countries are trying to do right now in terms of stabilizing their the, the migration that takes place. And I say stabilizing in the sense that it's giving, um, we've, got, we've, we've got to give attention to the energy that's needed to help people who are struggling um, when it comes to the migration issues as it relates to weather patterns. And that's a big part of what we're seeing. And I think that um, one of my um, one of my key observations in that space is what are we doing to strip away land to create more opportunities for businesses, but at the same time taking away some of the necessary um, um, parts of the land that are going to help families and communities produce uh, goods um, more specifically produce, um, you know, vegetables and su- forms of sustenance, uh, f- food and vegetables and forms of substance. Um, so, you know, I think that you can, you know, you don't have to get into a large debate about it, but you do have to give yourself some, some room to think about where are we when it comes to our, uh, the, the impacts of climate change and the impacts of weather pattern changes, which I think that's one of the reasons when I say that weather pattern changes that we are seeing what we're seeing here in, in the Midwest. Um, I have family that live in the uh, D.C. metropolitan area. And historically, that area of the country does not get a lot of snow. But in the last 10 years, I can, I can you know, dial up my sister right now. And, you know, she can note years where they've gotten heavier snows for period, longer periods of time than they ever have. And that's, if you think about, you know, how the country is laid out, and you look at the central part of the country and you look at the southern states and it's 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 documented and and it's researchable so to speak that the, that part of the country has had more um traumatic weather throughout the course of the year than they've ever had 
And I think that that's one of those things that, you know, unfortunately, some of the southern state leaders, um, elected officials are, are in true denial. Um, you know, we've all heard the, the 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 trouble that Texas has had in the last four winters. They've had something crazy happen with their their electric grid. They've had something crazy happen with um, their um, how they've been able to sustain uh, their just crazy heat in the summers. So that to me and, and, and Texas has never really experienced the kind of weather patterns that they're having right now. Uh, the middle part of the country and just using the mid-Atlantic area in, in D.C., metropolitan area and such hasn't had this type of uh, weather, type of snow specifically that they've experienced in the last four to seven years. So it's really a, 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 a lean in conversation. I'm, I'm not a geological expert. I'm certainly not a, a, a scientist in that space, but I look at the information, I research the data and I try to find points that we all can grab onto that allow us to do a, a better job of helping ultimately elect the, the officials that, that are understanding that climate change is real, that weather pattern changes are real. And, you know, we can just look at those areas of the country that historically have not had the weather that they're getting and ask yourself the question, why is that? And I think it's 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 um, it's pretty obvious. So, you know, mornings are are always interesting when it comes to when we talk about weather, because I like the, the fact that you get up in the morning and you and you, you you're wondering, what are we going to have today? What are we going to have in terms of if it's going to be uh, particularly here in Chicago, a windy day, a dry day? Is it, you know, we're going to have um, a certain amount of rain yesterday when coming into the studio, Henry, it was foggy as all get out. Um, and so I'm sure people who were commuting yesterday were, were frustrated because their traffic patterns went up a few minutes. But um, <clears throat> these mornings are, are certainly, you know, Chicago mornings. And as the phrase goes, uh, uh, wait a minute or whatever, the, you know, the, wait 10 minutes, wait a half an hour, wait an hour, and it'll, it'll be different. And so we, so we definitely are, are, uh, are experiencing that. Listen, we're getting off to a, um, another good start this morning. The number is 773-763-9278. We'll put a button on it for a few minutes and we'll be right back. It's Choose View with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, where facts matter. Hey guys, we are back. Um, I got it. It's funny how you can have a, an issue, a topic that will um, uh, spawn some other thinking. So, w- one of the things that we, when we were listening to the PSA during the break um, about uh, Tesla or Elon Musk not allowing their employees to to unionize. Um, and then, you know, the whole process behind that, by the way, the number is seven, seven, three, seven, six, three, nine, two, seven, eight. Uh, give us a call. We can chat up with, uh, with whatever's on your mind, but going back to Musk for a second. So I read an article that he is, um, going to be paying the legal fees for the actress. Um, uh, last name is Corrado, but she's been in the Mandalorian and a few other movies. Um, so, the point I'm making about that is why, why, why not unionize? Why not allow the, the, the employees to have those protections, particularly if they're in a, um, a high labor or labor intensive uh, job uh, and, and manufacturing vehicles, even with all the technology and robotics that we have, is a high intense labor, highly um, labor intense job. So, you know, if, if, the, the the downside is 
um, that companies, company leadership often says that it's a, it's, it's an expense to the company's bottom line. Um, and the way that I've looked at it and the way that most people who are favoring it look at it is the more safety mechanisms that are in place, the more uh, benefits that are in place that are created by the unionization and, and bringing people into an, a union, um, the better opportunity for people to do better in their jobs. And that's just all about having a, a happier, uh, more sustainable work, workforce. Now, I get the, that the other side of that is, you know, some people say it can be expensive. Others that have done the research have said that it's a, um, uh, it creates some problems when it comes to negotiation. But I think that, you know, blocking the ability for people to have that collective bargaining opportunity and option and a little bit of a problem with that because at the end of the day, that's the, the company is saying in part that they don't really care about the overall safety and prosperity of the people that work at that business. Um, unions have, in my you know relatively short history in life, have not, haven't done anything counterproductive for the safety of the employees. Now the companies may not like the push and pull that they have to um, you know own up to when it comes to negotiating. Um, salaries and, and um, work environment. But at the end of the day, um, I think that that's where um, a better a better employee, a better, uh, more sustained employee is better for the company and the end product. So one of the things that um, that the situation, and I wasn't aware of this, that, uh, you know, if the if the workers or the dock workers aren't going to take the cars off and they're going to create that 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 um, that blockade, if you will, uh, that that's a that's going to be a problem for for Tesla, and that that's something that over time I'm sure that uh, Musk is going to probably back down from. But um, all right, so I got a little little somewhat tiny surprise. I guess it's a big surprise you guys don't know about this, but it's just a little fun that I'm going to have. It's Super Bowl week, Henry, and I want to do something that um, you know. Hopefully, those who are listening and who have who have their uh, eyes and ears open can catch this, and I'll make the announcement again. But um, so it's, I'm going to throw a little bit of a, little bit of a, um, a small little quick question contest for those who are listening. And it is, re, uh, something that's around the Super Bowl. So my Super Bowl question that's going to lead to a small gift from Choose Views is, obviously we've got something happening, um, this weekend that is going to put one team into rarefied air. Actually, both teams. And that is, um, you know, the 49ers have, have had quite a bit of success in the Super Bowl over the, the, the years that, that the NFL have been um, playing in the Super Bowl, having a Super Bowl. So we know that the Kansas City Chiefs have had some pretty good success as well. But this particular weekend, um, they're in the position to go into another rarefied air. And I want to ask this question of you guys. And the person, the first person that can call in with the answer will win a copy of Rachel Maddow's latest book that just came out at the end of the year called Prequel. I had a chance with my wife to go and see her at, um, over at uh, U of I. Um, and the, the, the place was completely packed. I, I was blown away. Uh, it must have been 2,000 people in the auditorium. Um, and we, we, we got in, um, you know, I call myself being a, a, arriving early, and we got there early, so to speak, and 
you know, the place was already packed. We got our seats and everything, but still. So I'm giving away a copy of Rachel Maddow's latest book called Prequel to the first person that can accurately answer this two-part question about the Super Bowl. And that is, if the Kansas City Chiefs win this Super Bowl, what rarefied air will this feat have achieved for the Kansas City Chiefs franchise that is an exclusive group that seven other franchises have achieved? That's part one of the question. Part two of the question is, which NFL team has won, excuse me, which NFL team has won, has has, uh, gone to the Super Bowl the most consecutive times and never won the big game? So two-part question. You got to get both parts right. The first part is, if the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl, what rarefied air and exclusive group will that put them in? And the second part of the question is, which NFL team has appeared in the Super Bowl the most times consecutively and not won the big game? All right, so there's, the, uh, there's a question for today that's uh, around the Super Bowl. And the first person that calls in with the correct answer to both parts of that question will get a free copy of Rachel Maddow's latest book, Prequel. So wanted to throw that out at you guys. A little uh, Super Bowl week stuff that we're having some fun with. Um, and in that, in that vein, uh, I'll keep down the road of... Um, a bit of news. So I've been talking a little bit about Taylor Swift this week. Yesterday I spoke about um, the the fact that uh, the owner, uh, Robert Kraft of the uh, New England Patriots, actually gave her a shout out and kudos for uh, the business acumen that she has and things that she's done with her, with her tours and all. But also um, he complimented her on the fact that, yes, she's been at games and this is great. And the person that she's dating is uh, playing for the Chiefs, as uh, you know, Travis Kelsey. But the fact that she's um, improving her brand, bringing more women, younger women to watching football that probably hadn't watched football, not with any regularity. And actually more men are watching football more. Now, I, you know, this is. Um, I don't have the the exact numbers or data on that. This is what Kraft said, so I'm I'm um, you know repeating what he put out. The bigger point was that he thought and thinks that she's doing a great job in that space by building her brand and helping bring additional people to the game. So those who have been upset with Taylor for her um, uh, activity when it comes to getting people registered to vote. Um, Robert Kraft, who is probably le- right, more right-leaning than left, has actually complimented her on her business acumen. So uh, kudos to her. In that vein, though, the reason I wanted to introduce it that way, uh, there is a 21-year-old um, young man. His name is Jack Sweeney. And Jack Sweeney, um, through I think the University of Florida, Central Florida, um, has been tracking the flights of many celebrities, politicians, and other uh, noted figures. And one of those people happens to be Taylor Swift. And he is, um, he's saying that because she and her, her flights to and from her tours and concerts and other events are emitting 
a high, unnecessarily high amount of uh, carbon emissions. And that as in tracking her and other people, that that is contrary to what their beliefs are about uh, safety for the environment. Now, what Taylor Swift has requested is that he stop tracking her because um, apparently uh, that the way in which he's doing it isn't completely on the up and up. But from what I read, the information is actually accessible by any of us because it's public information um, through the Freedom of Information Act. So, you know, I don't think he's going to be trying to track her to shoot a plane down. I think he's got a, a slightly different um, uh, position on this as it relates to carbon emissions. And he's also tracking um, other people who travel a lot. So I think that, um, you know, the, the reason that this has become an issue is because of the fact that she's in the news right now for her positions, positions politically and the fact that she's uh, dating Kelsey, uh, Travis Kelsey. So anyhow, I find it interesting the things that people do with their time. I really, really do. Uh, it, it, it cracks me up that because uh, so, I look at this and say this guy, Jack Sweeney, this young man who's tracking folks. So where are you going with that? You know, what's your end game? Are you doing it just because you don't have anything to do, anything else to do with your time? Are you doing it because you um, don't like a particular group of people and what they represent and what they stand for or may be hypocritical in what they stand for in his mind? But really, my question is, OK, so where are you going with this? Uh, are you going to write a book? Are you going to write a, You know, are you going to write an op ed? Are you going to uh, create a podcast or are you just, you know, you don't have anything to do with your time? So in any event, um, you know, I think that there's there's oftentimes that um, the, the resources that we have are are um, are available for for use, but sometimes they don't always get put to the best of use. So that's that's my little uh, little bit of a rant on that. But I think that um, you know we've got we've got a really good um, uh, group of people right now. As I speak as I speak about this young man, Jack Sweeney, I, I think we've got a really good group of young people who are leaning into a lot of the issues, and we're seeing that more and more with some of the voting. Uh, registration that's come about and, you know, whether Taylor Swift is at the at the tipping point of that or not, I am seeing based on the numbers that, that I'm reading that our voting registration for younger voters is, is increasing bit by bit. So that's that's exciting to see. So listen, guys, we're going to take another quick break. The number is 773-763-9278. This is Richard Chu. This is Chu's Views and we will be right back. You're listening to Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. And we are back, guys. Uh, welcome to Choose Views. This is Richard Chu. 773-763-9278 is the number. We're, we've got a, a little fun contest happening. The question is, uh, Kansas City Chiefs. If they win the Super Bowl this weekend, they will slip into a rarefied air and a very exclusive club of other teams. Question part one, what will that be? And second part of the question is, which NFL franchise um, has an incredibly unfortunate record um, of not doing what? So what is that franchise and uh, what is it that they haven't done? 
So the winner, it's a two-part question or two-part contest with two questions. Uh, Give us a call. The winner of that, first person to answer correctly, will receive a free copy of Rachel Maddow's book, Prequel. It's a good read. Got a chance to see her uh, back in the late fall when she was here in Chicago. So um, talk a little bit about uh, something that's happening in the business space as it relates to um, in my mind, um, a kind of a Black History Month item, only because it's something that um, I read uh, yesterday that struck me as a really positive thing. Um, the uh, as, as many of you who f- may follow golf or may follow sports in general, but follow golf, have known over the last year and a half, the PGA Tour and the Live Tour uh, have been in conflict because the PGA Tour... Uh, has, has really been the, you know, the PGA and the USGA have really been the staple uh, tours across the globe. Um, and what's ha- what happened in uh, going back to 2021 and leading into 2022 and now uh, last season is that the Live Tour, which has been financed by the Saudi, um, uh, for lack of better words, the Saudi government, and their uh, social fund that they created uh, drew a lot of, PGA Tour players to the uh, Saudi Tour, and that uh, that live tour uh, backed by the Saudis created a lot of political conversation. A lot of members of the House and the Senate were looking at ways of creating, um, you know, uh, barriers for uh, players on the live tour, and it created a little bit of a quite a, not not a little bit, quite a bit of a kerfuffle. There have been um, various suits that have been filed by different PGA players who felt that they were defamed for going to the uh, Live Tour. And the Live Tour was um, writing some pretty big checks to get players to come and play in a slightly different format, more of a team format than the individual um, uh, format of the regular PGA and USGA uh, Tour events. So a lot of conversation back and forth on that. A lot of people were frustrated. And if, if you're not into golf, this may not mean anything to you, but if you're into the politics behind it, the fact that the live tour and um, the money that where the money comes from for that tour was a conflict politically here in the United States, because so many of the elected officials were saying that um, what are we doing and how much is this going to influence how people view um, money to finance a tour for golf tournaments by a country or a faction within a country that we have some human rights issues with, and that's Saudi Arabia. So this has been a big deal. If, even if you don't play golf or follow golf or give a darn about golf, it's been a big deal because of the fact that the political implications behind the Saudi uh, behind the money coming from Saudi Arabia to, to, to finance this tour. Now. Long way home to say, in addition to that, it created some um, involvement by our our elected elected officials. But one of the things that happened, uh, that's been happening behind the scenes, and a couple of us golf heads um, have been talking about this, is what is it that the PGA Tour is going to do to to stem the tide of players that are going uh, to this live tour? And I think that has happened uh, based on a new deal that was just recently cut. And that deal is that Tiger Woods and the PGA Tour uh, players will become equity holders in uh, PGA Tour Enterprises. And that's um, as a result of a $3 billion investment from Strategic Sports Group, um, making this pretty cool um, opportunity 
and shifting, you know, pro, uh, how professional golf is pulled together. It basically means that um, now, and I, I'm going to read more into the deal in the next couple of days, but the deal basically as it was finalized, uh, basically puts PGA Tour Enterprises in a position to include uh, roughly 200 PGA golfers, PGA Tour members, into the mix as equity owners of the PGA Tour. So when you think about that, equity owners, that means that they're going to be able to take part in the uh, gross uh, revenues that are generated by PGA um, Tour Enterprises. And the sweet part about that is, although I don't I don't know the details yet, but although they may not be getting upfront money from um, show, you know showing up at an event like the Live Tour is somewhat designed, what will happen is the you know you look at it like um, if you and ten of your your friends uh, were equity owners in the the performance of a, of a professional sports franchise, a la Grant Hill and, and other, other folks who, you know, are no longer playing, but they've got investments, equity investments in, in sports franchises. So this is what the PGA Tour with Tiger Woods at the, at the lead, you know, the lead position have done. They've created a partnership that's going to give golfers uh, that are on the PGA Tour, about 200 uh, of the PGA Tour members, equity ownership in the sport. That to me, um, that's a goat move, um, and, and and kudos to Tiger uh, for being out in front on that. I had a suspicion that that was part of the reason that he was also leaving Nike. Um, I think that it had run its course anyhow because Nike had dis- kind of disbanded um, manufacturing golf equipment um, and really any any um, involvement in, in golf shoes any longer, which is really the, the thing. It's golf shoes, it's golf clothing, and it's golf equipment. That really drives the golf division of any sports uh, business. And, you know, Nike has been walking away from that for a few years, and Tiger pulling away from Nike after the, the you know, two decades that he's been with them, I knew something was on the horizon. I didn't know it was something like this. And there's still this conversation around him building or, or having his own clothing line. But this is a big deal because what this is going to do, the question that I had posed earlier, or at least a question that was out there, is what will the PGA Tour do to stem the tide of golfers going to the Live Tour? And I think that this is the thing. And this is exciting because now what happens is the the Tour's driving force isn't one player. It's all the players and all the members of the PGA Tour, but also business investment now will, will, will start to increase again because you've got more players that are involved in the driving of the message of the Tour, not just the top you know 10 players in the world or the top 10 players on the PGA Tour. So it's kind of exciting to see. I'm curious how this is going to bake out. And given that it's Black History Month and, and that Tiger is... Uh, uh, sitting at the helm of this this new development I'm pretty excited about. And also the political piece in this is that we all know that, that 45 leaned into the to the live tour because of his political antics. Many people, many leaders of the PGA and the USGA um, said that they no longer wanted to hold any events at any of his golf courses which I have to give them credit for because that allows for, you know, irrespective of where you sit with golf and how, if you're a fan or not, or if you play or not, um, there were huge controversies about there being 
PGA and USGA events at uh, Trump courses. So um, I'm excited about this because this is he leaned into the live tour um, and this is now going to, in my mind, kind of, you know, bend that arc a little bit favorably. So uh, that's 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 some exciting news in the business space. That's some exciting news in the, the politics that go along with business. And I hope that that really does stem the tide. So uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, oh, I see that we've got a Super Bowl contest. Um, we got a. Oh, okay. Well, we got to sit tight. We got a break coming up in a couple minutes. So um, yeah, moving on a little bit. Uh, talking about big deals. Um, you guys may remember, uh, and and you certainly may know who he is now. Byron Allen, who used to. I mean, he's a comedian. That's that's, that's how we got started in in, in Hollywood. But he's gone on to become the um, the CEO, the head of the Weather Channel. That's he has a number of businesses, and Byron Allen is um, one of the other African American billionaires as of recent um, in, in recent year in the last year and a half. Uh, he he kind of made it to that that uh, that other elite club, but he is um, in the last two years he's made offers for various. Businesses. One of them was he was part of the the group of people that wanted to buy um, uh, BET. He's also along with Tyler Perry. He's also one of the people that wanted to buy the Denver Broncos franchise um, or, or made bids. I shouldn't say just wanted to buy. He made bids. And most recently, over the weekend, uh, or I think it was maybe last Friday, he's also now just lobbed another very very large deal uh, to purchase Paramount Global. Which is a big deal. Is the, the the dollars that I see are fourteen billion dollars that he's offering to purchase Paramount. That's a big as 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 President Biden say, would say. That's a BFD, um, and it's a BFD in general for any any person to purchase. Uh, you know, to be able to to have put together the, the the tools necessary to make that kind of a purchase. But it's a big deal for me because um, he's African American and he's a leader in this space. When we spoke, so often talk about successes of African Americans, we see them as um, oftentimes just labeled in the sports and entertainment business. Byron Allen is in business, and it just happens to be touching sports, t- touching entertainment. And this is a this is a cool opportunity. I would love to see him be able to pull this off, um, particularly since he's been, you know, leaning into purchasing big big entities. I mean, purchasing a sports franchise is no joke. You know, purchasing. Um, a network is no joke. So uh, that's something that I'll, I'll be um, be keeping my ear to the ground on to find out more about what's happening with that. But yeah, By- Byron Allen, um, um, I think the show that he did back in the day was Kids or People Too. It was way back in the late 70s. I had a chance to meet him. Um, I think it was back in 2016. I was um, just, you know, at, in California and had a chance to kind of not so much meet him, meet him, but wave wave at him across the uh, uh, across the room from where I was um, visiting at a diner, um, ironically. But um, so that's a uh, two just two things I wanted to talk about as it relates to what um, some African American male business um, men are doing. Tiger with this PGA deal and um, Byron Allen with this. Uh, bid to purchase uh, Paramount Global. So the number is 773-763-9278. I'm Richard Chu, and this is Chu's Views. We will be right back. 
It's Chew's View with Richard Chew on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. And we are back. I, uh, I want to make a slight correction. I was talking about Byron Allen, and um, I said I think it was Kids or People too. That was a different show. the The, the show um, was actually Real People, uh, where he kind of got his start in 1979. And I give shout out to a friend of mine down in Florida that um, just um, just posted me up with some some information. Um, yes, it was Real People, 1979. That show, um, and then the early 80s comedian, writer, and and now you know just incredible entrepreneur, business owner, and a dude that likes to bid for some big property. So um, uh, thanks to my man, Rick, down in Florida, who sent me a, a quick little update, um, who, from what I understand, had a chance to be on this on the show years ago. So um, there you go. You know, small world, small world. So listen, um, I, I've been chomping at the bit to chat about this this morning and we've got a few folks that have called in about the contest so i i see you and then henry told me you're you're on hold so we will definitely get to you um, momentarily but listen um you know let, let's let's dive into this deep end of, of what's happened what happened in the last 24 hours with regard to politics so uh republicans can't count <laughs> you know let's just call it as it is um and marjorie marjorie green made a fool of herself uh, and that that's nothing new. She just repeated her old. She definitely, you know, washed, rinsed, and repeated. And the Republicans can't count. You know, the the you know, I, I always laugh at this. Um, my wife is is become more politically involved in the last twenty years that we've been almost twenty years that we've been together um, because she's just she's tired of the stupidity. And she literally said to me last night, Henry, now here's, here's a woman whose mother passed away yesterday. And my wife has been, been, been dealing with that as her, her siblings have and family and all of us are uh, going to miss our mom. And, uh, and just, you know, the things that come with losing a parent or losing a loved one. <laughs> my wife had the presence of mind last night to say to me, oh, my God, I can't believe what happened with this vote in the house on the impeachment. And I just kind of laughed because I thought, here's a woman who's dealing with the loss of her mother and she presses pause for a moment to go, oh my God. She's asking, she's like, Richard, did you realize? And I was like, okay, kind of. So for that split second, Henry, I had to like grab my phone and go, oh yeah, they didn't get the So kudos, uh, kudos to my wife, Ann, for having the ability to split her brain for a second yesterday with all the craziness of, of her mom passing. But to that point, I mean, the Republican leadership, um, you know, as progressive, we've got to be cogent and enough to say this the right way. We have to stop saying Congress. We have to start saying for what it is, the Republican leadership or the Republican members of Congress rather than saying Congress, because the Republican members of Congress that brought this crazy a impeachment forward can't count. One of the things that former speaker Nancy Pelosi was good at was counting before she and let's be honest, there are progressives that wanted to bring things to uh, vote to, to to the floor for vote that from all the the data that we have, all the research she wouldn't bring 
because they didn't have the votes. Okay, so let me let me just bring you let me let me just bring this kind of kind of uh, as I've been sort of looking at it. First of all, that bill is dead in the House because of the fact that, as we talked about, Republicans have just been, you know, kissing the behind of Donald Trump on this as it relates to the the bill, uh, the, the Senate bill at the border. We know that. But to then vote to impeach um, Secretary Mayorkas because they say he's not doing his job. First of all, let, let, let's just understand something. Um, by impeaching him, first of all, it's reckless. They say, they're trying to say that he's not enforcing the laws that are on the books now. Well, he is enforcing them, but he's catching all this, this filter from the governor of one of your Republican states known as Greg Abbott. Okay, so this dude, by his uh, um, denying is not the right word, but by him basically flipping the finger to the Supreme Court's order. He's also getting in the way of allowing the federal mechanism to work when it comes to implementation of the laws and the rules and the guidelines. Okay, so we know that that's not a rant. That's reality. Here's the other part. So impeaching Mayorkas is not only reckless, but without a solution, it, where are we going to go? Because if you impeach him, first of all, he's a cabinet member. So the president gets to nominate another person if the Senate did decide to vote him out, to, to, full, to, to go for, uh, uh, fully forward with the, the, the rules of impeachment. The Senate's not going to do that. They're just, first of all, they recognize that it's reckless. And it's a political ploy. And I'm talking about the Republicans. So we, we have 51 to 49. So we, you know, there's not going to be a Democrat that's going to be stupid enough and slit his or her own throat. Even even Manchin and Cinema aren't going to do that one. OK, no matter where they think they're going politically. So, first of all, the numbers don't don't work on that side of the uh, that 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 chamber. Senate's not going to say, yeah, OK, yeah, we're going to we're going to go ahead and, and and let this dude go. But there's the, the, the Republicans in the House have no solution because, first of all, they don't have the power to if they impeach him. And if the Senate then voted for some crazy reason, there were three Democrats that said, yeah, we're going to go forward with the, the Republicans in the Senate and vote him out and remove him, I should say. If that did happen, the Republicans in the House, Henry, don't have the power to put in the new person. It's a it's a, a cabinet appointed position that, yes, must then go through the Senate approval process. So they don't have a solution. To fixing the problem that they think is created by Mayorkas not doing his job and putting the, and implementing the, the, the rules and laws that he has access to. So to me, that's that not only is it reckless, but it just shows their stupidity and not understanding um, how our government actually works. I say this often, and I say it with all the vim and vigor that I can. Learn civics, Republicans. They're just too stupid to understand civics. So what's our solution? As I said a couple of nights ago on the um, uh, the Steph Heads call and the Sexy Liberal call, we got to vote, you know. We got to pull, pull, people, pull, pull people out to vote because that is a solution. We have to, as I said yesterday, our purple plan. So that's part A of one of the things I wanted to jump on before we hit this uh, top of the hour break. The Republicans can't count. 
because they should have known that they didn't have the numbers to get this across the finish line. And because of that, it's created a huge amount of embarrassment for, uh, for, for, uh, for Johnson because now he's in the, he's in the crosshairs. He couldn't get to the cross the finish line. They're not going to impeach Mayorkas. They're still not. Um, the, the, the other part of this that's running kind of parallel is that the, the bill that is needed to get some movement at the border is not going there. It was dead on arrival. So in a matter of hours, the Republicans showed how flat out incapable they are to get anything done. Progressives, look, y'all, you have got to understand that this last, you know, uh, cycle with the Republicans having control of the House has been nothing. It's been like running uphill on ice with a parachute attached to your back. That's how hard it's been for the country to move forward. Yet at the same time, when I hear people like Nikki Haley say things about the president using executive uh, orders to get things done, that's not even close to being true. So we're going to stick to this when we come back from the break. I'm going to talk a little bit more about this Senate uh, uh, border budget bill and the vote last night. We're going to grab your calls. The number is 773-763-9278. This is Choose Views, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Choose View with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Hey, guys, we're back. Uh, This is Richard Chu. The number is 773-763-9278. And this is Choose Views. So we're in our second hour. And uh, I'm going to pick up on a little bit of what we were talking about before the break. So the vote did not work for impeaching uh, Secretary Mayorkas. Uh, it is an, it is clearly, this is, this is one of those moments from a, from a messaging standpoint for the DNC, for the administration, and for those who are, uh, all of us that are progressives that are pushing, 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 pushing hard to reelect President Biden and Vice President Harris, hold the Senate, if not grow it, and flip the House. Two examples right in front of everybody. There isn't, there shouldn't be a question in the minds of voters about why we should keep those, keep those two uh, chambers and make sure that we, we flip the House and grab some state seats and legislatures and, and governor's mansions. Republic, Republicans cannot effectively govern or get things done. Okay? This was a waste of resources. It was a waste of time. Meanwhile, we have folks in our own country who are suffering on both sides of the aisle of all cultures, cultures and communities of all faiths. We have folks in the Middle East who are suffering on both sides of that conversation, whether they're Israeli or Palestinian. We have folks in Ukraine that are struggling because of a, a madman in Russia. We've had folks in countries in, the, in Africa that are struggling because of the um, mismanagement, the dictatorship, wannabe, dictator wannabes. Um, we have all these issues flying that are around the that are here in the country, around the world. We have the migrant issue in the United States, but yet we have Republicans who cannot count 
to get something done. If they actually had a legitimate reason to have this vote in the first place, help the man get stuff done rather than impeach him for things that your own, one of your own governors is blocking. Okay. So I, I wanted to just kind of put a cap on that. Republic, this is if, if the, the folks out there who were saying, oh, but President Biden hasn't done this and he hasn't gotten this done. And what is Vice President Harris doing? She doesn't seem like she's doing enough work. I'm so sick and tired of the whining from people about that. Roll up your sleeves and, 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 and get in the game. And this is a great example as, as to why, two examples of why you need to get in the game. Because they, this, this crazy vote. Meanwhile, we should be working on helping these different entities and part of our country get things done. That's what being pragmatic is about. And the Republicans are far from that. Republicans in Congress specifically are far from that. So the cap on that, just to, just to, uh, circle back for that quick minute. Um, so I had paid attention to this um, loosely over the last few weeks, and I didn't know that the that there was going to be a verdict um, uh, brought down on this um, uh, Jennifer Crumley case up in Pontiac, Michigan, which is a horrible, once again, horrible school shooting. And uh, we, you know, we we have these school shootings, we have these mass shootings and killings, and we almost forget about them to some extent because there's another one that happens that takes up our immediate brain power and memory. Um, this case is, in my estimation, going to be a landmark case. It will be a case that's referred to by other cases that will come forward now. I think a lot of people, a lot of the, the, the journalists yesterday were trying to say, well, we, this, this is how our legal system will work in the future. Now that this woman has been convicted on four counts of involuntary manslaughter, there will be other return. There will be other cases that, first of all, two things are going to happen. Um, there will be cases that will be pulled back, for lack of better words, out of the fire. The people will go back, and they, some things will be retried. Some that haven't even been brought to to court. Uh, that haven't been um, 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 talked about will come back, and I, I'm a, I'm certain of this that going forward. That and and it's awful to say this when there is another shooting. That there will be other people that will be brought into the conversation, and and that this, I'm 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 telling you guys this. Mark my words. When a minor commits an act like this in the future, this case will be referenced, and that's why it's a landmark case because it's the first time in our lifetime that a parent has been tried and convicted by a jury of their peers unanimously all 16 jurors unanimously voted that she was responsible in part because of her um, negligence and in, and the, the way in which they didn't have the the the, the, the gun stored properly and the wet and the um, uh, uh, the ammunition stored separately and then her negligence in terms of her son's request for help by text message, by writing, the school's warnings, the reach out to the one friend that he still felt that he had. So I've been saying versions of this for a while. 
yes, this is horrible, and this, these parents have were are culpable, and cl- clearly a jury convicted them of, or at least the mother and the father's trial is next. But the problem isn't just that negligence. Clearly, the problem is neg- part part of the problem is the negligence on um, the part of these parents. But it's also one simple thing that's common in all of these cases and the ones that unfortunately are going to still come our way is I don't think that Ethan Crumbly would have been able to kill four people and wound seven others with a knife or a couple of knives or hell, a machete for that matter. But because he had access to this type of weaponry, he was able to do that. So I'm all about life and preservation of life. I'm not all about the first amendment. I'm sorry. Sorry. Scratch that. I'm not all about the, the ability for people to manipulate the wording in the second amendment to justify having this type of weaponry. So I want to be very clear on how I say that I am not for the manner in which people have manipulated the language in the second amendment to justify having this type of weaponry. Now you didn't hear me say anything about your right to have a gun. Okay. So I'm calling and be all upset. If you want to, I'm saying from a pragmatic standpoint, I recognize what's in the second amendment, but I, I, I recognize that it doesn't say un, without, without regard and guardrails that we can just have these weapons out here for people to buy and here's a crazy thing, Henry. I don't know if you know this or how many people know this. The father bought this gun illegally. It was a straw purchase. So come on, y'all. I mean, come at me all you want to about the fact that, you know, it's my right to own a gun. and It says it in the Second Amendment. Hold on a second. This The father bought this gun as a straw purchase. So right there, the argument about my right to own it, we... You can't defend that. So gun owners, and I have many friends who are, listen, the rules are the rules right now. You have the right to own, it's in the constitution. But that community has to step up. That community, if you want to maintain your right to own your gun or guns, then you need to step up to push for more legislation to lock those things down. I mean that literally. And to limit what is actually um, can be owned because our children are dying. Our friends and family are dying. And, 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 you know, Henry, since the beginning of the year, since January 1st of 2024, there have been 4,060 deaths, I believe, when I did. It may be, it may be higher. I, I pulled this information yesterday for over 4,000 deaths since January 1 of this year alone. As a result of gun, this is gun death. And people can get in and want to categorize it and say, yeah, Richard, but at the end of the day, folks are dying. And our kids are dying in schools because of this reckless way in which we are governing ourselves when it comes to the Second Amendment. So, got a break coming up. 773-763-9278. I see you guys on hold. We will grab you right after this break. This is Choose Views. Welcome back to Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. 
What's going on, Chicago peoples? Hope you're all well on this Wednesday, soon to be a uh, a warm a warmer day than uh, a normal uh, Wednesday, February seventh. Uh, se- My goodness, golly, that's crazy. Uh, Henry and I were just having a little bit of a joke. He's got this cool jacket here in the studio, and I was I was joking with him about how um, I run warm. So I, uh, you know, I don't wear jackets in, in, inside much, and I'm I'm always a dude that gets to the car and snatches my overcoat off because I hate driving with an overcoat on. That being said, let's get to a couple of people who've decided that they might know a little bit about some Super Bowl history. Let's start off with Bob. Hey, Bob, welcome to Two's Views. Good morning, that, morning, Richard. Let that, uh, let that window back uh, up. Okay, sorry. I, I had to leave the house to catch uh, catch a train. But, um, okay. Okay, so so to get to the, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs would be winning two consecutive uh, Super Bowls and joining the club there. And uh, the Buffalo Bills uh, went four times in a row and lost four times in a row. Oh, look at you thinking you know something this morning. I, 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 I was, I kind of knew about the Bills. I was, yeah, we yeah, had the Chiefs. Uh, They've been there before, but they never uh, won twice. So, right. So, did I get it? Did I get it right, Bob? You got it right. So, you will Excellent. be the recipient of one of Rachel Maddow's books, prequel. We'll get your information. You're going to probably, if you if you get on the train, pay attention, get on that train, and be safe. You can call us back and and we'll get your information. Uh, but yes, you were correct. Um, I will cover that in a moment. But make sure we get your information so I can get a book out to you. Okay. Okay, Richard. Hey, uh, uh, congratulations on the new show. I just want to, I came to you, uh, you know, because I listened to Santia Jackson's show, uh, you know, great person, and I listened to you uh, Sunday, listened to you on Sundays as well. So uh, congratulations on the new show. Well, I appreciate that, Bob. Really, I do. And, and, and keep listening to us. Keep calling, whether we have a contest or not. And uh, be safe getting to your train and getting to, to wherever you're headed today. And we'll get your information and make sure we get uh, get a book out to you, okay? Excellent. Thank you, Richard. You're welcome, Bob. Have a great day. So the answer to the question, um, and uh, we have another person that called in. So uh, how do you want to do this? And you want to grab Bob's information? Or you? Uh, Okay. All right. Cool. We've got his phone number, so let's make sure we can at least call him back and uh, and and get that squared away. So Bob is our first caller to get the answer right. So that's great stuff. Bob's uh, on his way to catch a train. So be careful as you uh, as you do that this morning, my man. We don't want to have any anything but good in terms of you getting your train. But we got your phone number, and we will make sure that we uh, connect with you. Um, can we grab the other person that's called in on the contest? Because we, who knows what might be happening. Is this Alvin? Yes, this is Alvin. Hey, Alvin, welcome to Choose Views. Yeah. So uh, it, sounds, it sounds like you're uh, you're trying to catch a train this morning too. Oh no, I'm at work. I'm at work right now. Oh, okay, okay. We're having a having a little bit of trouble hearing you with the background noise. Okay, hold on. Let me try to get you off my headphones. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. That's much better. So, do you have answers? Do you have answers to our Super Bowl question? Yeah. You know what? I just heard the answer. (laughs) Two in a row, and uh, I knew that Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills, lost four consecutive. There you go. Because I was in uh, Desert Storm when they lost the first one, listening to it. Okay. But. uh, 
again. And then I was thinking more like uh, they will be Kansas City sport Super Bowl win if they win. So, oh, so you didn't have it quite. I would have got us. You didn't have yeah, it quite right. Quite right. Uh, see, that, that's an honest man. You know what? Just because of that, Henry, we're going to hook him up with the book because no, most people would have said, yeah, I had the answer. But you were honest enough to say that that would have been the rarefied air. Actually, the rarefied air is that the Kansas City Chiefs, to Bob's win, win the Super Bowl this, um, this Sunday. They will be... Um, they will have won it for a second consecutive year. There are seven other teams that are in that exclusive group. The Green Bay Packers won back-to-back in 67, 66 and 67. The Dolphins won 72-73. My Pittsburgh Steelers won 74-75. And they're the only team to do it again. They won 78 and 79. No team in the history of the NFL has won two consecutive Super Bowls two times in a row. That's rarefied air. The 49ers in 89, 88 and 89, the Cowboys in 92, 93, the Broncos in 97 and 98, and the Patriots in 2003 and 2004. So if Kansas City were to win this weekend, they would be in the rarefied air of seven, then eight t- franchises that have won back-to-back Super Bowls consecutive years. Um, and yes, you're right, Alvin, the Buffalo Bills have the unfortunate record of appearing in four consecutive Super Bowls, having never won the game. Wow. Right, right. So, Alvin, we want to get your information, too, because you were an honest man about the fact that you were saying your, your answer was going to be four wins rather than two consecutive wins. And we will okay. make sure to get you a copy of Rachel's book as well. So Henry's going to grab your information. We've got your phone number, but we will also try right. to get, uh, at least we have your phone number and you'll know it will be us if we're calling you to get additional information. And I promise you, okay. we will get you a copy of Rachel's book prequel. Does that sound good? Okay. Yes, sir. That sounds good. Thanks so much. All and, right. And uh, deepest condolences on the loss of your mother-in-law. And I enjoy the family meeting on Sunday, and also going to enjoy your show every morning because I listen every morning at this time. Awesome. Well, starting out. Well, Alvin, I greatly appreciate that. I know my wife and her family greatly appreciate you saying that. Uh, keep listening okay. to the family meeting, and we thank you for supporting here. Choose Views and WCPT. So have a great day, Alvin. We'll get a book to you. We'll get your information. How about that, Henry? That's pretty doggone cool. We got a winner, a true winner in Bob, and we have a winner in life, my man Alvin. How many people actually? He, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm gonna really I'm gonna really make a big deal out of that. How cool is that for Alvin to be that purely honest about it? He said, "Well, I heard the answer, but it was I didn't have the right answer. I thought it was four wins, uh, and I think that's right. They would have that's the because they won one with Montana." Or two with Montana when he went to the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. I forgot. But be that as it may, Alvin was going to answer that it was that that, that the Chiefs had won uh, four total Super Bowls. But that's not the correct answer. It's two consecutive in terms of this rarefied air of the other franchises. See, that's what what progressives do. He stepped up. Alvin stepped up and said, nah, Rich, I was going to say something else. So he gets a book just because he was honest about that. And he does know his football because at least he knew that the Buffalo Bills, uh, and kudos to Alvin. He said he was in Dever- during Desert Storm and he was stationed during that time. So kudos 
Um, if I understood you correctly, um, thank you for your service and thank you for your honesty. How cool is that? So we're going to get a book to Alvin for his honesty and we're going to get a book to Bob for having the correct information. Thank you both for calling in. Um, I like doing contests that are relevant to things that progressives are doing and we will most certainly have others coming. I won't always tell you when they're, when they're, what they're going to be, uh, and when they're going to be, but I'm going to do my best to, um, uh, make sure that our progressive writers, our progressive leaders um, have a chance to further their information by providing you guys as listeners with some of their material. We've got some great, great um, things that have been written by um, our, our women progressives and our African-American, our Latino and uh, progressives, as well as our Asian progressives So and other communities. So I don't want to leave anybody out um, by accident. So I want to make sure that um, we keep you guys in the mix with as much information. Um, my man, Eric Green, always talks about being intellectually curious. And for me, that starts with reading um, and consuming information that's going to make you smarter, going to make your brain a little bit bigger. Um, read, 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 and we will make sure that we contribute to that with this show. So Bob, congratulations. Alvin, congratulations. We thank you for participating in our little fun clam bake contest this morning. Um, so listen, guys, the, the, the import of that in terms of, um, the, the contest is that, um, this book, this book prequel, and I don't want to spoil it for anybody who, who hasn't read it. And certainly Bob was going to get a copy and so will Alvin. But there's some things in this. There, when we saw Rachel live here at, uh, at, at UIC, uh, there were a lot of people that didn't know the history of some of our industrialists during World War I and World War II and post that as it relates to um, – why we are still where we were then in many ways when it comes to uh, the people that support um, the right. And so it's a real compelling. I knew a little bit about it because my father was a was a World War Two era buff. And we used to watch and read and, and, and do a lot of stuff when it came to that. But um, the book's really good. And we will make sure that we get all their information and we'll get uh, a couple of copies out. So uh, we're coming up on a, a break. Um, uh, the number is 773-763-9278. we got a couple other callers that we'll grab after that break. This is Choose Views, and we will be right back. You're listening to Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. And we are back. <clears throat> the number is 773-763-9278. Glad to be here this morning with you guys. Um, and, and once again, thanks to Bob and to Alvin for participating in our little fun contest. And uh, I know that uh, Bob's, is on, Bob's on the train right now, so he's probably uh, still listening and Alvin's at work. So listen, guys, uh, I want to grab another quick call. Um, looks like my man Roosevelt is calling in. Hey, good morning, Roosevelt. How are you today? Good morning, Richard. How are you doing today? First time caller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I've got your show. <laughs> well, yeah, first time caller to choose views. Exactly. How are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing hey, great. listen, listen. Congratulations on your show, man. I know it's going to be a success. Thank and, you so uh, much. And uh, and and best of luck. Uh, I want to backtrack a little bit about uh, Mallorcas and how the Republicans are not helping the president and all this and that. Two 
things you didn't mention, I, I don't think you mentioned, I walked away from my phone. Okay. Is, is Trump and Marjorie Taylor Greene. Even back backtrack further. Remember, it took him fifteen tries to to get um, McCarthy. Yeah, <laughs> in as speaker. How could we not? Forget? Do you remember? <laughs> I don't know if you saw the video. Unlike Herman Cain, I have a lot of facts to back this up. I'm saying. <laughs> so, so um, it took him fifteen times. Do you remember a video of Marjorie Taylor Greene with walking around with a phone saying the president wants to talk to you? I don't know who she, who she was talking to. I remember. Yeah. I thought it was McCarthy. Okay. So my point is this. Do you see the breakdown and how she went berserk yesterday, Marjorie Taylor Greene, because she got two bad news. One, that they didn't pass, uh, I mean, they didn't get the votes to to, uh, to uh, impeach Mallorca, which she was the leader. Yes, he made that yeah. promise that we're going to work. Um, she had exactly. Johnson promise that we're going to impeach Mayorkas. And she, exactly. she she ran with that baton and she just crashed into the wall. Exactly. So so my my point is this. Two people that are have to be in this conversation is Trump. Because Trump is relaying messages to Marjorie Taylor Greene. Marjorie Taylor Tra- Taylor Greene wants to be the VP yep. of Trump. Or speaker. Forget that. There's or, a lot or, of women. Or, or she. Listen, I, I said this. I've said this for a while. She either that that. Yes, you're right, uh, uh, Roosevelt. She wants to be in that spot. She wants to be his pick. Okay. Um, and so, she oh, and or uh, Speaker of the House. Trust me on that. That's don't sleep I, on that one either. Go ahead. I, I encourage you to watch the uh, the video on her yesterday. She went berserk saying that the media should be ashamed of themselves for using the word uh, insurrection. Yeah. And, the, uh, and she went berserk on them, on the Democrats, too, that they said that the B, uh, Black Lives Matter were the ones that were the insurrectionists and that Biden was an insurrectionist. Because Jesus he had, went berserk. You got to watch of, that video. No, I know what you're talking about because of the the the, mm-hmm. the, the amount of security that was around the exactly. Capitol. She said exactly. that, you know, why is it not being you know presented as that was an insurrection? Because exactly. it wasn't, knucklehead. See, see, here's the thing with with, with Marjorie, exactly. Marjorie Green. Um mm-hmm. Just, just this is this is this is fact and reality that that was live. There have been two times when a African American person, male or female, and it just happened to be both male. Um, I'm sorry, it had to be male one, twice, and then a African American fe- female once have stood her down. And uh, Representative Jamal Bowman did when she came to New York. If you guys remember, he stood her down and she got in her in her in their vehicle and, and sped off. And then outside the Capitol steps, he tried to pretend like he was, you know, assaulting her and made her feel uncomfortable. Big, strong black man, blah, 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 whatever. In both cases, somebody shouted louder than she did. Let's just call it as it is. And his shouting was cogent and on point. And representative from Texas, uh, uh, Jasmine Crockett. In, on, the, on the floor has, have, has stood her down. So I'm not saying that our white representatives can't do that, but they surely haven't done it. So I'm just saying, don't anybody get upset about that. Look at the tape. Let's, as they say, as they used to say, Henry, let's go to, let's go to videotape. The videotape has shown that these two um, representatives in the House that are Democrats that happen to be African-American have stood her down. 
it takes more. It's going to take other representatives, whether they be African American, uh, not you know, white, Asian, whatever, male or female, to stand her down, to dress her down every time she does something stupid like this, because it's not the media's fault. First of all, pick, uh, you know, uh, pick a, a side or position on this. First, she says it wasn't an insurrection. It was a, you know, it was a, it was a tourist visit. Then she says it was, B, it was BLM and Antifa. And then she says they're being improperly, in, in, they're being improperly or unjustly imprisoned. Um, so, you know, she's all over the map with this. And to, to be honest with you, Roosevelt, that is exactly the reason why Republicans look so awful, because they don't have a position. They're really not as aligned as they like to get everybody to think that they are. And they definitely can't govern. Let's be honest. The Democrats hold hell firm. All 214 lined up and said, nope, we're in unity. We're not going to vote. And you don't, wor- don't worry about counting on us. Just like the vote with McCarthy. The Democrats stood firm. That's leadership from from the House Minority Leader, uh, Hakeem Jeffries. Let me let me go a step further. Go a step further. The reason why, in my opinion, they didn't pass the impeachment vote yesterday on Mallorcas is because the Republican Party is decided. They're split. Yeah. Let me tell you why. Because of the fact of their leader, their speaker, he, that's another reason. He doesn't have experience. Do you know a, a, an example or an instance where Pelosi didn't have the votes for something she wanted to pass? She passed two impeachments. Right. And so, and, and leaned in to get the Affordable Care Act done. So, you know, I, you know I, I, I've, I've got a number of business associates that are always moaning and groaning about Pelosi. They, they did. They just guys who were just feckless. And, you know, I, they hate the fact that a woman was leading the House of Representatives. Let's yeah. just call it as it. But she got stuff done. She got stuff so, done, guys. Well, I'm going to close it with this. Richard. I'm going to close it with this. Remember how long it's been that they started that thing with the uh, Biden's son, uh, mm-hmm. Hunter Biden? Mm-hmm. They tried to uh, uh, bring down uh, the president. Mm-hmm. But they wanted to impeach him, too. The point I'm trying to make is, can't help it. This sounds too much like a Trump plan. And the Trump plan is this, in my opinion, is that somebody's going to get impeached. Somebody in the Democratic Party is going to get impeached, especially if they're working under Biden and especially if Biden appointed them, because he's got to make it look to the country that both parties are the same. You mean Trump? He says, well, and he's going to say it on his uh, rallies. He's going to say, well, I had two impeachments. Well, what about Biden or what about Biden's? uh, It would have been Mayorkas. What about Mayorkas? You know, so so that people get discouraged with our government, that that they don't get nothing done. The point I'm trying to make is that they don't get nothing done. This is because there's this split. They got a, a rookie as a speaker that doesn't know what he's doing, and he's scared. And if I'm not mistaken, didn't Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, uh, said to him, "Hey, listen, if you don't do this, 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 we're going to throw you out too." Well, that's one of the mistakes so that that's the rep- my point. The, the speaker, what Johnson should have done to cover his own behind in this, in, as it relates to his crazy party. Is the minute that he got in, he should have gone down the road to do whatever he could to get that one vote rule taken out, so that there would that so that one. I don't think it's one, one vote. It's probably not. It's not the right uh, language. Um, but the ability for one member of the house to uh, recognize that they want to replace the speaker, he should have had that removed 
from the very this, I agree this, with you there, this, but... this first order of business. So I like the way you put it. He was a rookie, um, and his his Christian conservatism is not politics. And we don't need someone that's been been touched by God leading um, members of of the House of Representatives on the left or the right, yet alone the rest of the country. And I agree with you, Roosevelt, um, that the Republicans. Dis, the, the, you know, you hear you hear this from some of the mainstream media. The um, Dems are in disarray. That's kind of faded as a as a moniker since Chuck Todd is no longer on MSNBC. But the yeah. Democrats are not in array. I see 214 people lined up ready to defend democracy. And I see another 216 people that can't figure out where the door is. And yet alone count votes to get um, a, a, a cabinet appointed member impeached. And you're right. Yes, this is being orchestrated by the orange devil to create mm-hmm. as much of a conversation going forward. If he gets the nomination to be able to say, yeah, I was impeached twice, but a member of Biden's cabinet was impeached because Biden's awful. You know, that's mm-hmm. we know what it is. We're not stupid. We're very smart when it comes to this stuff. Roosevelt, right. my man, you better you, you better have a Thank great you. day. You better have a great day because you started it with two sure. views. <laughs> And I'm yeah, glad you, yeah, I'm, yeah. Thank you, man. Hey, I'm, I'm glad you called in. Yeah, and good luck. I appreciate it. We look forward to hearing from you again. Have a great day, Roosevelt. My man, Roosevelt. He's a good dude. Um, he has been a strong supporter of the family meeting and a strong supporter of other shows on WCPT. So don't sleep on my man, Roosevelt. He definitely is a, is a strong progressive, and he does uh, make sure that uh, he reaches out to us. Guys, we're going to take uh, one last break before the end of today's show, 773-763-9278. This is Choose Views, and we will be right back. It's Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, where facts matter. Yes, it's me, guys. This is Choose Views, and I'm Richard Chu. Thank you for tuning in this morning. I am grateful to have uh, the opportunity to bring you guys my bit of pragmatic um, progressive politics and, uh, of course, touching a few other things that are happening in our world and in our, in our uh, society. Mm-hmm. Super Bowls this weekend, and I love that we had a little, our little contest and that we had um, <clears throat> Bob call in and win and Alvin call in and win by default because of uh, being an honest progressive. So cool stuff, guys. Before we uh, went to the break, uh, we were talking to Roosevelt about the vote that took place and that did not happen in the effort to impeach Secretary um, Mayorkas. So one of the things that, that I, I want to lean kind of lean back into on that I want to I don't want to leave this completely uh, without a cap, a little bit of a cap on it is, you know, for the longest time. Uh, the Republican, some of the Repu- uh, Republicans in the House, specifically, specifically Marjorie uh, Green, and I try to pull Taylor out because I guess he's just going with Green now, but whatever, um, have not, uh, or they've been on the fence about the insurrection being an insurrection and saying things like, "Oh, it wasn't an insurrection; it was a, tw- you know, it was a, it was a nice, peaceful, you know, uh, a, a campus visit." Well, we all know that's crazy because we saw the evidence. The evidence doesn't lie. And then they shift and try to say, oh, it was, you know, it wasn't it wasn't um, Republican, you know, MAGA people. It was um, Antifa and it was BLM. Well, you know, last time I checked, you know, BLM doesn't wear MAGA hats and Antifa is uh, doesn't wear MAGA hats. And let's understand what Antifa stands for. It's anti-fascism. 
So not enough, in my opinion, uh, mainstream media journalists call that out. Mainstream media does not delineate and differentiate what Antifa stands for. It stands for anti-fascism. And the fascist actions of the Republican Party at large is one of the biggest problems we have right now. And so I want to make sure that we kind of delineate something here because of a a recent um, uh, conviction that took place. A lot of people don't know this, but... Um, you know, with the number of Republicans that are saying, hey, you know, it was it was just a it was just a uh, a, a, a tourist visit. Mm, nah, because, you know, what you what you guys may not have heard is that there is a, a gentleman that was convicted and he was convicted uh, properly with regard to his involvement in the um, the insurrection. And what's important to understand about that is this guy, he's a former Boston canine officer, and he pleaded guilty on eight federal charges, admitting that he assaulted Capitol Police officers with a chair. This dude's name is Joseph Fisher. He pleaded guilty. He pleaded guilty that he did commit the assault. Why is that important? Because why would you plead guilty for assaulting uh, Capitol Police officers if you didn't do it? You'd fight it. You'd keep fighting it. You'd keep fighting it. And then they present you with the evidence. In this case, one of the biggest forms of evidence happens to be the video as well as the still camera shots of people who were there. Not just walking around the Capitol like they were on a little, you know, uh, tourist visit of the Capitol, which, by the way, was closed. So help me understand that, Marjorie. Give me a call. I'd love to. T- oh, gosh, my goodness. I can go to heaven if I had a chance to debate with her. I'd be all set. My wife would be upset for me saying that. But if I had a chance to debate Mar- Marjorie Green. Wow. So. The, the MAGA folks in, in Congress and uh, Republican side of the House of Representatives uh, that have said that this was a tourist, you know, outing, a visit. They didn't do anything wrong. It was MAGA. It was Antifa. You need to talk to the folks that follow you that are pleading guilty on charges, in this case, eight federal charges for attacking Capitol Police officers with, with a chair. You need to talk to them and ask them, well, why, why are you... Um, why are you admitting guilt? Why are you um, pleading guilty? So this was not a quiet tourist visit, on a t- quiet group of tourists on a field trip. These are people who committed an act of insurrection, and they are, and it's happening more and more frequently. They are are um, pleading guilty. So that's what I wanted to kind of put a little cap on that piece. Um, I know Henry, Henry's been grabbing calls and grabbing um, uh, folks who've been who've been dialing in. So do we have someone that's um, that's that's calling in and he's kind of knocking that out. So listen, guys, we're coming to the end of the show today. I know that we've had our normal cadence of folks that are calling in to talk to choose views, which I'm always excited about. And as you guys well know, um, following um, our, our broadcast is the Stephanie Miller show, uh, Tom Hartman, and of course the great Joan Esposito. I like to give them shout outs every day because they are, a huge part of our uh, CPT family and our progressive conversation. Uh, Henry, 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 let's, uh, we, we got someone on the line. Can we grab this last caller before we wrap up? Uh, Michael, hey, welcome to uh, Choose Views. 
Hi, good morning. My name is Michael O'Connor. I'd like to welcome you to GPS. As a, I mean, CPT as a long-time listener where facts matter. <laughs> I actually have a the final report. I went to my congressman, Congressman Danny Davis, and I had this report sent from Washington. Okay. It's the final report, the select committee to invest January 6th attack on the United States Capitol. December 22, 2022, the 117th Congressional Second Session, House Report 117-663. I want you to know, anybody who um, would tell, would say publicly that it was tourists are, are basically telling people, millions of Americans, to uh, not believe what we saw on television. They interrupted um, all of the stations locally, interrupted regular television to see this stuff. And anybody who thought it, a BLM... <laughs> I can assure you that they were n- that they were not there. You can look; most members of the BLM are not uh, um, uh, white folks. And, okay, and, and they're, and they're and, not going to be wearing MAGA hats. Would that be a fair statement to make, right. Michael? The red MAGA hats. And wait a minute, they moved through the crowd. A certain percentage of them moved through the crowd with army fatigues on and every, all of the equipment they needed to scale the Capitol in order to get in. And I saw that with my own eyes. But what I mean, there are so many out of this 108, out of this 806 page report. Which is the executive uh, um, the overview of evidence developed? They started this big lie right after Trump got the numbers that he lost. Yeah, he was a part of this. He was the one who told people, uh, "Go be wild. It's going to be a wild day." Well, but the he bill. The, yeah, the when, we saw that when you, Michael, and, and that. Um, thank you for uh, bringing that that information and that report. Um, this is the thing I want to kind of parallel with what you're saying. All people have to do is look at the timeline. I mean, this is information. Um, you know, it's, it's information that's available to people that are going to have an open mind. If you have a closed mind, which many of the MAGA crowd has, it's been proven. That's not my opinion or yours, Michael, for that matter. The data is there. And and who was it? Uh, Henry and I were laughing about this. That said, the uh, you know the reason that Marjorie Taylor Greene's book has failed is because Republicans don't. I mean, MAGA doesn't read. Well, mm-hmm. you know, so so Michael, think about that for a second. The report that you have been, you had the opportunity to to get and receive. You read it because you wanted to yes. see you. And, and and let me let me let me let me put this on you, and you tell me if My I'm wrong. My degree is in political science. You, but Michael, did you read it? You, did you read it to be convinced or did you read it to be informed to find out information? Just be honest. I read it basically to be more informed because I did not have the ability to watch the committee hearing every day. But Benny Thompson out of Mississippi is no joke. Yeah. And Adam Kissing Adam uh, uh I think his last name is Kissinger, he lost his seat in Illinois. Kensinger. You know, Adam, now Adam, Adam I am Kinsinger. not Yes, I'm not I'm a I am a independent voter mostly. Let me just say that. But in certain things I'm a partisan. Mm-hmm. When you 
uh, are telling the truth and I know it, I'm on your side. I'm with you when you're right and when you're wrong, I'll help them take you down. (laughs) And what I have seen, I mean, the Republicans clearly, uh, Mike Johnson has lost his mind. Um, How do you hold up a bill, say it's DOA? on arrival, and it hasn't been read. Yeah, I know. Isn't that crazy? I mean, really. Yeah, but but you know what, though? They have legislative staffers who read the overview. So even if they haven't read, they have synopsis that are given to them Mm -hmm. as congressmen. You have 435 congressmen there, and they need a 217 vote, 218 vote, actually, just right. to get the simple majority. When the Democrats said, no, we're not going to be bothered, all they needed was three Republicans in order to uh, save Mallorca. And they did. Yep. So Marjorie Taylor Greene needs to go somewhere and sit down. She's the Ellie May. Of political public policy, and, 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 and that's Mike, my and, comment. You have a great day. You too, Michael. Thanks for calling. That is too funny. Yes, she needs to go sit down, uh, and I still want to debate her. Somebody have her call into to our show, my show, whatever. Uh, I want to debate Marjorie Taylor Greene um, because then I would definitely end her political career. So, listen, guys. You know, Michael just put it best. He got the report. He read it as objectively as he could. That's why I asked him the question the way that I did. And the reality is, as we wrap up today, the it's been proven that too many Republicans that have been elected to Congress have they, they, they don't have a rudder. They don't have a quote unquote North Star as it relates to what they're going to lean into. They didn't have the votes. Johnson should have known that when he went down this road, but because of the people that are in his party that he knows are going to come after him if he didn't bring this vote to the floor, his goose is cooked, as a phrase would say, as a, as a phrase has been made. His goose is cooked. So listen, guys, we're wrapping up today. Thank you again for tuning in to Choose Views. Thank you for listening to WCPT. Stay tuned for the Stephanie Miller Show next. And this is Richard Chu. It's Choose Views. We're out.